you are listening to the Life Community Church Sermon Podcast. Life Community is a church for the city, making much about the name of Christ. This podcast is available through all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoy and are challenged by our teaching, we invite you to subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you choose as we seek to anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of God's Word together. Thanks for listening. morning. Good to see everybody. So uh, welcome. Glad you guys came out on this really sunny, warm day we're having. Um, if you are a regular here, you'll this, this next little bit we always do, which really describes kind of who we are as a church and lays a foundation for kind of everything that drives what we do and where we go and how we spend and all those things. If you're new here, so those of you that are regulars, you should be able to say this along with me, just saying. You, you can if you want, but you don't have to. Uh, but if you're new here, this could maybe give you an idea of the way we roll and the things that drive the focus of where life community is going uh, in, our, in our city and in our world. So uh, we are a church for the city, making much about the name of Jesus Christ. That's our primary goal. And we do this, we hold four values that support this idea. First of all, we practice love with everyone always. Under every circumstance, we give more than makes sense. It doesn't have to work out on paper. We chase after the likeness of Christ in every part of our lives. So every, everything we do, we're chasing after being like Jesus. And finally, we anchor our lives and everything that we do in the unchanging truth of God's word. And that's the basis for it all. So if you want to know who we are and what, what we strive to do, that sums it up. Uh, so that's life community. Hey, we have things you can do to get involved as part of our community as well. First of all, a quick announcement about, I, I know we're probably not typically crowded during the pandemic, but if, there's, if, if you're uncomfortable with the closeness in here, we have overflow seating always available in our youth room, which is out the doors and down this hall, right where I'm pointing, right across the hall. There's always overflow there. The big screen in there will show everything that's happening in here. All right, so that's something you can always get to. So secondly, uh, Ash Wednesday, which is not this Wednesday, but a week from this Wednesday, we're going to celebrate Ash Wednesday. And we haven't done that for a couple of years. Uh, we'd like to kind of restart that up. Um, that's going to be at 6 a.m. So you can come in and it's a short little process and then you can still get off to work um, and that kind of thing. So just a quick thing about Ash, Ash Wednesday. We're, no, because people have asked this kind of thing. We're not becoming the Catholic Church. We're not becoming something that we're not as life community. But Ash Wednesday has been celebrated since the second generation, maybe the late first generation. The Christians would do this. It's always seven weeks before Easter. So that's how we pick that Sunday. So the, the, the date varies because Easter varies. Uh, and it's a time for reflection on the fact that Jesus suffered so for us. And what, what it is, is in, in some church circles, it kicks off a season called Lent, which you don't have to honor or observe. But during that time, what people would do is they would sacrifice something that's kind of important to them. Some, give, give up something that would seem that was a sacrifice for you to help remind us that we too should be sacrificing, live sacrificial lives as Jesus did for us. So that's Ash Wednesday. You'll come in. It'll be a, a quick process. You'll get maybe a quick uh, blessing or a quick teaching by someone and, you know, five minutes. And then you've seen the little cross they put on your forehead. They'll do that, um, you know, lovingly referred to in, in the world as the smudge. So you, you'll get that. 
Um, and then you can keep it on all day. So you can be a part of that. Uh, also, something I think we haven't done in a, maybe we did last month. Did we do a men's breakfast last month? I don't remember. Uh, we're definitely going to do a men's breakfast this coming Saturday. It's our second Saturday of the month, so we're going to do that. And it's at 8 a.m. right here at the church. So men, if you meet that criteria, you're qualified. You can just come in. We have a great time at fellowship. There'll be some, a little teaching and some discussion. And of course, there's probably bacon involved. So I mean, that should get most of you here. All right. Having said that, I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we're going to launch into what we're talking about today. Father, I just pray that uh, you are present today. I pray that you teach us something about yourself. Father, that, that you open our eyes to something new, and you draw us yet closer to you and more in line with the image of your son, Jesus. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so we've been going through the Beatitudes, so just a little, again, uh, we're going to recover some ground because we didn't even come last Sunday. So the Beatitudes, it's the first 12 verses of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount was this, probably the most, well, it is, it's the most extensive teaching of Jesus that's actually recorded in Scripture. He may have done bigger teachings, but it didn't get recorded in Scripture. So from our perspective, it's the, big, it's the big teaching Jesus did. He taught everywhere, but this is a single sermon. And the first section of that was a unique section that we call the Beatitudes. And so it, it has this, these poetic lines that say, blessed are, and it'll give a characteristic or a quality that we will learn as we talk today that derives from God and not from us. So some quality. And then as a result, the blessing is sort of described then. So, so that's how it rolls. And there's um, that section. What it really is doing is, is it's, it contains a picture of this life of blessing that God desires for us. He desires us to live a life of blessing. And as, as we get through this, you're going to see me doing this a lot today because this is how it feels when I'm teaching this part. Um, God really wants to live through you. Instead of you living, why don't you just let God live through you? Because that's what he's calling us to do. And you'll see that as, we, as I lay this out today. Um, now, this is going to be a little out of order. So we didn't just take these and go line by line, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4. Um, partly because um, Pastor Steve had a baby, baby boy. He's here today, right? He's in there somewhere. Um, and baby Asa had a little, little stint in the NICU, but is doing great. They're home. I talked to him, and, and we decided we would give him a few weeks off so he can spend this, this really precious time with his new family, and they can begin to bond and so forth. So it just so happens that I was up this Sunday, and we had already decided who was going to teach what. So this is, I'm going to go to the end. The last part of the Beatitudes is what I'm covering today. But it shouldn't matter that we're out of order, and that'll make more sense as uh, it when I get through this kind of first opening section. So I think what we should probably do to start with, let's read through the entire uh, section here. It's, it's just 12 verses. We're going to read through the Beatitudes. I'll, I'll just read, but, but you can read along. Um, and, and then I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll break it down into the last section. Today we're going to talk about persecution and how we're blessed when we're persecuted. All right, starting at verse 1, this is chapter 5 of Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now, this is not the twelve. This is a crowd, a multitude in some, in some translations. This would have been his twelve disciples, the apostles as we call them, but also many, probably hundreds of followers 
we know there were probably at least 120, 10 per, that were really close followers, and probably others as well. Jesus had become sort of a renowned teacher at this point. So there was a crowd. It wasn't just, when it says disciples, it means those that are following Jesus. Um, you and I are disciples, for instance. Okay. So his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. And he said this. This is starting, this is the Beatitudes section. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Remember that. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And some, some translations say filled. Uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven. That's where we started. Remember the very first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of heaven. Now we're at the bottom. Kingdom of heaven. Important. And he goes on. Blessed are you when people, people uh, insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You may have noticed I put some emphasis on some words there. We're going to go through that. So, but before we do, before we break down the last part of this, I want to cover a couple of points about the Beatitudes in general, because I think it's easy to just do a cursory reading and assume that they're sort of, sort of familiar. If you're, if you've had any kind of church upbringing at all, you're probably familiar with the Beatitudes and you have some idea in your own mind and you're bringing something to it. Kind of, you already know what it means, so I'll read it again. Let's try to wipe that away and try to think of it as we're reading it afresh, because if we read it too quickly, I think we can miss some important points. So the uh, first point I want to make is this. Notice that opening and closing statement, and I, I highlighted those. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he talked about the poor in spirit, and he talked about those that are persecuted. In between there, there's a whole list of things that are also blessed. You know, God pronounces blessing over people with this characteristic. But I think what we should do now that we see this book ending is we should recognize this is a single topic we're talking about. These are not really separate. They're descriptors, but it's, it's the description of a singular lifestyle of someone who's following hard after God through Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. Okay? So if you're a devoted follower, this is, this is a chunk. This is not like, oh, I'm just going to read the mercy part. Or I'm going to read, I'm going to be a peacemaker or whatever. Okay? This is, this is a one unit idea. Okay? And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that uh, actually, this is it, do it now. So several weeks ago, uh, we taught the fruit of the Spirit. Um, this is in Galatians chapter 5, and we, did, we went through the whole series, went through those. Notice what it says. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit has multiple characteristics multiple ways of living that's described in that. So it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness, right? So that is a fruit. It's like an apple. An apple is a fruit, but I can describe several things about it. It's got a skin. So that's a characteristic of this apple. Uh, it's, it could be red or green, whatever the color of the skin is. That's a characteristic of the apple, but it's still one fruit, but I've described two things already. So now it's, it's firm, or it's not firm, or it's a little more granular, or it's really crisp. Right? So that's a characteristic. It's either sweet or it's sour or 
or sort of in between. It's, it's good for baking or it's not good for baking or this is good for applesauce or this is good for cider. These are all characteristics. But how many fruit have we talked about? One. Same thing with God's spirit. What he produces in us is a thing that's manifest in multiple ways. So, so it's, it's God's fruit. It's the spirit's fruit. The fruit of who, whose spirit? God's spirit. So in the same way, these beatitudes describe characteristics of one who has been saved. One who is now following after God. Allowing God to live through him, or is that motion? You're going to see this a lot today, okay? So um, we should be reflecting all of these. You can't say, well, I'll be merciful. No, 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 no. You have to be uh, gentle, peacemaker, merciful, poor in spirit, pure of heart. This is, this is a, a package deal. That's what I'm getting at. And I think the book ending by this kingdom of heaven is, is leading us to see that and recognize that. That's my first point, the general point. My second general point is this. This is not like great advice for how to act and behave a certain way so that God will bless you. That's not what this is doing at all. This is not a do's and don'ts list, okay? This is not like, well, if I'm merciful, God's going to bless me. No, you're missing the point. Because uh, it's not just, a, it's not just a, an ex- explanation of the law, because the law was never able to generate within you the kind of life God wanted anyway, right? That's why Jesus had to come. The law was inadequate. So it's not just law. What Jesus ends up doing here is he's actually teaching beyond the letter of the law. He's teaching the intent and the spirit of the law. What did God desire our hearts to change that we wrote down in these laws? But how did that change us, and how did we actually flow out of that? So, yes, we're not obligated to the law, meaning it's not compulsory. You don't have to follow the law to follow Jesus. But I would submit this. Jesus is here calling us to live a higher standard than the law. Because you can follow the letter of the law and cheat somebody and say, well, I'm, I'm within the bounds. But if your heart is changed, you can't. So we're really talking about living beyond the law, not above the law, like it doesn't matter for us, but, but a higher standard than the law. So I want, want you to keep those two things in mind as we, as we go through this. Um, and what Jesus describes in, in this lifestyle, this, this way of living, these characteristics we see in the Beatitudes, um, cannot be lived out in our own strength. It can't be done. And that's why it can't be a prescription for behaving well, so that God blesses you, because you can't behave well. Bad news. If you're thinking that way, you're overestimating your ability and underestimating your brokenness. You think you got more going on than you do, and you don't recognize just how broken you are without God. So that's the two problems with that way of thinking. Followers of Christ, again, we're not held to the law. But we're called to live at a standard even higher than the written law because it's a changed heart. And we can only do that when we allow these qualities to be produced and manifested in us in order that God pronounces blessing. Are are you catching that? It's, It's the other way around. We let God make something of our life, and then he looks down and says, I can bless that because you're not in the way. Because you're not corrupting it with your idea and the way you would do it. You're allowing God to live through you. You're just, now you're just a vessel. God says, I can bless that, and I'll pronounce blessing on that. But the key is, 
Who is doing the manifesting? Who is producing? If you're producing yourself to be merciful, or if you're trying to manifest mercy, it's going to fail. You'll come up against something that you just can't forgive. But God, through his power and through his Holy Spirit, he can produce in you a mercy that's perfect mercy. He can produce in you peacemaking in a way that you couldn't do it. And so that's the difference between this as sort of a guideline for living versus uh, allowing God to flow and live through us, then I'm going to keep doing that. So if it makes you annoyed, just get over it, because that's going to happen. All right. Now that we've covered that, um, uh, let me give you an example. So that'll help. A uh, couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I can't remember, maybe three weeks ago, Steve did the first of these, right? We started the series, and he did poor in spirit. He said, blessed are those that are poor in spirit. Um, being poor in spirit is the opposite of being uh, proud or self-absorbed in your spirit, right? It's the opposite of that. And so this describes somebody who has already been humbled by God's love and recognizes that my ability to be obedient and my ability to image God the way he desired me to image him to the world is inadequate. And I can only be sustained if God lives it through me. Okay. So followers of Christ have to understand this. You have to understand this. And then the blessing is pronounced. Then Jesus would say, they will inherit the kingdom of God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So now that I've done that, we'll start our message. So we're going to dive into the section I'm going to talk about today. We're going to talk about persecution. It's a really uplifting thought. It's the eternal beatdown, right? Woohoo! So we've already talked about this. As followers of Christ, we allow God to produce His life in us, right? His, by His Holy Spirit, He's now living, which results in two things. It results in more things, but I'm going to highlight two things that this will do for you. Number one, God will be able to pronounce blessing over you, and we've just kind of covered that. God pronounces blessing over that life. Why? Because you're out of the way. Your corrupted nature is standing back, and God gets to promote the way he wants you to live. He can bless that, and he does. Secondly, you end up with a way of living that is completely foreign to the world. They just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense, and, and they stumble a bit. I mean, you're just a brief look at the things Jesus said all through the gospel, not just here in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, would tell us that it is obvious that a life following after God is going to be completely in conflict with the rest of humanity. It's a contrast. They will not look the same. And I think as our culture dives more and more and more into a dark, depraved state, that contrast, that conflict should be even more pronounced as time goes on. And in Matthew, Jesus is reminding us of this thing, but he also re reminds us that this, this resulting conflict, right, this resulting difference, foreignness to the world is evidence, is evidence that means God can bless you. If you're pu pushing in the way God desires and, and the world's running that way, you're, you can be pretty comfortable that God can bless that as long as you're doing it in God's strength. And here's Jesus' words. We're going to read uh, verses 10, 11, and 12 again. So this is where we're going to really focus today. 
Blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That'd be Jesus. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus expects us to understand this idea that persecution by others confirms something in us. That we're no longer uh, uh, aligning ourselves with the world. Because if you're in alignment with the world, no one's going to push back on that. They're just not. It's, it, in some ways, it's evidence of our obedience to the will of God. And, and Jesus is basically saying here, you will see persecution. He doesn't say it that emphatically. Actually, in the, in the Greek text of this passage, or with all the yous that I highlight, that'd be verse 11, it's a plural you. So what he's saying is all y'all, all y'all are going to have people insult you, uh, speak all manner of false, evil things against you because of me. That's what he's saying. Uh, in 2 Timothy, Paul said it even more emphatically. So if you're doubting whether or not we're really for sure going to always see persecution, let me read this to you. This is Paul's words in 2 Timothy 3. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Period. There's no doubt. We should be feeling the pushback from this world. But in that comes God's pronouncement of blessing. Keep that in mind. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, that's an uplifter. Woo, yeah. Let's, so I'm supposed to live my entire life in, uh, in conflict with the world or in just this, this steady state of it, it's just not pretty. And part of my answer is yes, that's probably true. But part of my answer is, well, you're not reading closely enough in the Scripture. Again, we've, we've walked to it too fast. So I'm here to kind of help us slow down and look again at what the verse says, and it'll give us understanding about this conflict and pushing. When the world pushes back, when persecution takes place, let me ask you this. Why are we persecuted? To whom and for what cause are, or, or, for whom and for what cause are we persecuted? We just read it. Why are we persecuted? Jesus answers this in both 10 and 11. He says, for righteousness. So if you're living a righteous way that God approves of, you're going to get persecuted. And number two, for me. He says, they're going to do all this to you, but it's really for me. So when they're pushing back, it's not me. It's not you that they're persecuting. They're persecuting the Holy Spirit of God. They're persecuting Jesus. Jesus is persecuted. We just happen to be the guy that's the tunnel the conduit that that, perse that persecution comes through. So if we can do that, we can, we can realize I'm, I'm not the enemy they're, they're fighting against. I, I can't take that personally. I'm doing what God said. If they don't like that, they got a problem with God. So that's how persecution is different in that regard. Jesus himself is persecuted when the world pushes back on you. God, uh, God said this to one of the, I can't remember which, which Old Testament prophet was it where God said, they're not mad at you, they're mad at, they're mad at me. Was it Jeremiah? Who can tell me? Anybody? What? Samuel. Samuel. Okay. Oh, yeah, it was Samuel. Thank you. Um, yeah, so this is not new. God takes it personally when we're living for him and we get persecuted. He's like, no, they're not mad at you. They're coming at me. 
Paul says it this way. If we're, li- if we're living, if, if that little motion I keep giving, Christ is living through you, right? He's the one encountering the world. You're a bystander. I mean, you're there, but you're just a tool. Paul says this in Galatians 2.20 as far as who, who's really living this life that, that's bumping up against the world. Paul says this. This is in Galatians 2.20. I have, it's not going to be on the screen. Just listen. Or you can look it up on your phone app or your Bible. I have been crucified with Christ. What's an interesting characteristic about crucified people? They're dead, right? <laughs> They're dead. So if you're dead, you pretty much can't be insulted anymore. Somebody wants to make fun of you, you really don't care, right? So, Paul, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live. He's, he's almost saying the same thing again. I'm, I'm dead. I'm gone. I'm not even in the picture. But not me living, but Christ who lives in me. In me is Christ living. And the life which I now live in the flesh. So his flesh, he's, he's confessing, my flesh is still alive. He says, but I live it in faith in the Son of God, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's no longer I that live. If Christ, if, if these beatitudes are applying to you, we're talking about someone whose life is being lived by the Holy Spirit through them. Are, are we tracking? Making sense? And, and so, my, so the thing is this, do we do that perfectly? Are we, are we, um, do we always perfectly allow ourselves to not be offended when we're persecuted for Jesus? No, we don't do it perfectly. But God is constantly at work in us to turn us into that kind of reality where we recognize that it's God they push against and not me. And I shouldn't be offended because if I'm crucified, I'm dead. I have no rights. I don't have a right to be treated well. I don't have a right to be, have an easy life. I have no rights. Dead men have no rights. But Christ in me is the one that receives that. And, and, and let me just tell you something. God's shoulders are big enough. <laughs> he can handle it. Okay, at the end of this message, we're gonna, uh, at the end of my message, we're going to talk about how God's going to be bigger than all this. And, and the crazy thing is, so as he's working on you, the more and more you look like that picture, this reality where God is actually living in you, where, where it is no longer I that live, but Christ in me. The more we're like that, the more foreign the world will seem. And oddly enough, the more foreign we will seem to the world. They'll think we're crazy. They already do. So what is persecution? I'm just going to change gears just for a second. And I'm only going to spend a short minute on this, okay? So this won't be long. What is persecution? The Greek word in this particular passage is the word dioko. And dioko is uh, the word that they use that describes someone who is chasing hard after someone to subdue them or to overpower them or overtake them. They often refer to it when they would talk about hunters who are driving their game to a, like up against a river or into a ravine so they could trap them, and then they would either catch them or shoot them or spear them, whatever it would be at the time. You know, um, I don't think they did bows and arrows yet, whatever. But, but that's, the, that's the idea. So you're, being, you're pushed aside. You're pushed out. But then they, it's not good enough that you're gone. They're going to hunt you down. They're going to track after you. They're going to keep after you and keep after you. That's the insulting. That's the guy you go to work every day, and he knows you're a believer, and he's trying his best to get you to to slip, to do something that shows that your faith is just worthless. And you won't do it, but he just keeps pushing. He keeps pushing. You're already trapped. He's already got you, he thinks. But he just keeps pushing. That's persecution. 
Okay, that's, that's the idea here. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have physical abuse. You could. We have martyrs to this day. I mean, if you're curious at all about what's going on around the world with people that believe in other countries, uh, go to Voice of the Martyrs. I'll just type in Voice of the Martyrs in a search, and you'll, you will see every day in this world people are put to death because they claim God, because they claim to follow Jesus. So, it, but that doesn't mean that's for you, but, but it does mean this, and, I, and I, this, this is going to be a little hard to hear, okay? So this is maybe sting a little. It does mean that our living this life, if we are living, if God is living through us, right, his Holy Spirit is living through us, then life in this world should feel an awful lot like we're swimming against the stream. I always picture those salmon that are like trying to get out, you know, just they think they get in the air and they think, oh, I've made it. And his bear snaps them and it's over and right. That should be our life. And I would say this, and and here's the stinging part, but if your life, so, so if that's not the case, if, if you're kind of really just, everything's pretty easy and the world's flowing this way and you're just kind of floating with the stream and going that way and then not really pushing back. And it's like, it's, it's easier. I'm not saying you're doing anything heinous or horrible. But if you're just kind of easing on down with the culture, you know, oh, there's this sinful lifestyle, but I just don't talk about that. And if they can just do what they want, and I'm not going to make a stand, I'm not going to say anything. That's just kind of, we'll just float with the river here. I, one of two things is going on. Either you are not allowing God to live his life through you, and you are not exemplifying these features we've talked about in these Beatitudes. Either you're not doing that. You're trying to live your life with your own strength and push through, which, which means you're weak and you're always going to do the easiest path, which is going to be with the flow. Either that's happening, or number two, you just surrounded yourself with a bunch of Christians and you don't, you don't kind of, you've got your bubble wrap on, your Christian bubble wrap, just all over the place. One of those, that, what's that game they put the big thing on, the big balloon on, they go bounce off each other. Nobody gets hurt, but it looks painful. So you, one of those two things is happening. In either of those cases, I'm going to tell you right now, that is a failure to follow the commands of Jesus in this case. You are failing to live the way Jesus called you in this case. That, and you go, yeah, that's pretty harsh, David. Yeah, it is. But, but let me let you know a secret. When I self-evaluate, I have to look at this too. And I look at me and go, do I, 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 God's still working on me too. I see failures, and God picks me up, and we keep moving forward. Do I live in a way, and I mean I and you, ask yourself this question, do I live in a way that contradicts the world? And I don't mean like you're like a troublemaker, like like you're always in conflict because you're just always on, you know, spend too much time on Facebook, and you got to respond to everybody, and you got to be ugly about it. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you just following what God said to do, because if you're doing that, I, maybe you don't know this, but if you're doing that, you don't have to go seeking trouble. Trouble will find you. The world does not like that. They're going to look at you, and they're going to come, and they're going to push, and they're going to make fun of you, and they're going to push back, and they're going to say you're wrong, and they're going to say you're narrow-minded, you're a bigot, you're a whatever. Here's the beauty part of that. So I know it's like, oh. This has been a real uplifting message, David. Just, yeah, my whole life's going to be this constant struggle, constantly can't get it, constantly hampered by the world. Yes, but here's the beauty. Well, first of all, here, the beauty in that is that uh, it gives us opportunity. But, but I'll let you in a little secret here. God drew you to himself at some point, if you're a believer. 
God wants drew you to himself. He draws other people just the same way. That we're no different. And so when people push back, it's one of, here's a couple of reasons that I think probably catches most everything. They're either in fear, they're afraid. They're, they're afraid because you're different. You're, they don't understand. They're, they keep, keep at it. They just keep hammering you every day and you respond in love. And they're like, they're just suspicious. Nobody's that nice. Nobody's that nice. There's no way. There's something weird about that guy. So either that's going, and they're afraid of that. If you're different, that's, difference is fear a lot, okay? Or the other option is God's just truly convicting them. God's really hitting them where they are, and they know God's after them, trying to draw him, trying to draw them to himself. So that's, that's what's happening there. So let me just take that to heart for a minute. Okay. Um, every time, so then I talked about the opportunity. Uh, the opportunity we get when the world pushes back is this. Somebody comes and they, they're, push or, they're insulting you or whatever. You now have an opportunity to respond the way Jesus commanded us to respond. Be glad and rejoice. You're being persecuted for me. Be glad and rejoice. And people will see that. And they will scratch their heads. Like, what in the world? How, could you, how can this guy not just lash out against me? I've been hammering him every day. I go to work. I just make fun of him. I call him out in public. I do everything. I've posted Facebook posts and Instagram posts and whatever other grams out there post. I got him on video praying one day at lunch. I mean, I posted that. Whatever. But the guy just will not lash out back at me. They notice that. And you get that opportunity every time there's persecution. You get to be God living through you with his Holy Spirit. You get to be this. There's not many other times you really, really get to be this in that, that vibrant of a way. If everything's going good, you're hanging out with your Christian friends and you're driving somewhere and you're talking about the Bible. Probably not. I mean, God's living through you, but, you, but it's not like this big God's doing something right? And you slowly get to show the world God's glorious life through you every time that happens. And what does that glorious life look like? Well, let me give you some examples. Uh, You are poor in spirit. Familiar? You mourn with others. You're gentle. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're merciful. You're pure in heart. You're a peacemaker. You accept persecution for Jesus' sake and for righteousness. Do you see it? This is, this is the mark of a life lived chasing after God. When you're living like that, God then pronounces blessing on you for a work he did. I mean, it's so backwards in our thinking. Like, well, God's blessing himself. Yes, he is. Because you can't produce anything that he can bless. He can produce in you that which he can bless. And that's the key. So do those around you see it when they persecute you? Are they seeing it too? And in my case, I'll be honest, they don't see it well enough. I mean, I, 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 know, I, could, I know I could do it better. But God, in his infinite Mercy continues to work on me and draw me into being that person which he has called me to be. And then he can bless me when I allow him to manifest in me that which he desires. It's, a, it's not the way we think in the world. 
We're self-made people. We are not self-made people. You are a created being, and only God's breath of life even sustains you now. So let me give you something you can really chew on. So this, is, this has been a little bit sort of maybe hard to grasp. Uh, let, me put the, let me put some meat on your plate. Uh, or if you're vegetarian, we can chop up a carrot or something. I don't know. Something. Okay? So let me give you a, Wouldn't it be a blessing? Wouldn't it be a blessing of God and a blessing in your life if that coworker who ridiculed you every day for the last 15 years has smeared you, has turned you, tried to make you into this ugly person, and you never lashed back? You only responded with letting God live through you and to show him God will not be undone by that. Wouldn't it be a blessing if after 15 years he comes to Christ because of it? That's blessing. Why? Because you've accepted the persecution, the insults, the all manner of false sayings, whatever. You're letting God respond to that, and they then in turn get drawn to him. Like I said before, remember how we got drawn to God? God draws other people then just the same way. Or wouldn't it be a blessing that 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 cousin that only comes to family gatherings at Christmas and at Thanksgiving and maybe 4th of July because there's probably free beer somewhere, right? That guy who makes fun of you, calls you like a religious zombie and you're just some robot, you don't even, you don't even think for yourself. He's been doing that for 12 years and then one, and you just always respond with joy. You're like, hey, that's okay. You know, God, God, God's big enough to handle it, man. I, I, I'm not hurt. I love you anyway. You're responding this way because God's responding that way. Isn't it a blessing if he then comes to Christ because of it? That's the blessing. And what is that? What does that look like? When, when, when a believer, a follower of Jesus then, is able to be used by God to draw another person into the kingdom, isn't that the same as yours is the kingdom of heaven? Because what are you doing? You are letting God show the kingdom of heaven through you. It's beautiful. It doesn't sound easy in our flesh. But it's beautiful in what is God doing in the background going on. Now, I know this has been kind of heavy. Kind of, yeah, you're going to get beat up. And you probably will. We're going to get pushed back on by our culture. Our culture doesn't like what God has to say, and God doesn't like what our culture has to say. And therein lies the rub. We choose to allow God and his Holy Spirit to, to order our lives. We allow him to do it. Then he can pronounce blessing. But so here's, but here's the, big, the big hurrah. So I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8, because I think it's good to be reminded of the victory that God gets the victory over all that God is, always has, and will in the future always maintain. Okay, we're going to read through that in just a second. Um, so the first half of the Romans chapter 8, which is written by Paul uh, to the church at Rome, um, the first half is this big theological, I mean, we could tear into that for weeks. It's a, it's a wonderful expose of how God has redeemed us, how God stole us out of bondage and brought, it, brought us back to himself as believers. It's very reminiscent of take God taking Israel out of Egypt and how he, he brought them out to a place where they could be his people. And God does that now through Jesus Jesus uh, is our atonement, and for that, God, uh, we accept it. God sends his Holy Spirit, who now lives through us, and so we have thus been brought back to being his people. 
It's just beautiful. It's, it's super deep. I'm not going to go into that. But so he says, it sets all that up, and he finishes with this wonderful expose of the, the life that God brings us to and the life that he desires us and the way he wants us to think about living this life where he is actually living through us. I keep doing that. I just, I can't. That's what it feels like. Just the Holy Spirit just pushing out. That's what it should feel like. All right, so this is uh, Romans chapter 8. This is starting at verse 31. Just, it's not going to be on the screen. Oh, yeah, it is on the screen. Uh, But I want you to hear the words. I want you to hear the tone of what Paul is speaking here. So he's done this big theological thing about God saves you, and it's, it's, you know, God was a wrecking ball, man. Just took your life and tore it down and gave you this new life. Then he says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him, with his son, freely give us all things? Who will bring charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? See the contrast he's making? When you got God, what, what else is there? Who's going to push back against that? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather he who was raised. So he says, yes, he died. But more importantly, he was raised. God completed his work. And who is now at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And then he quotes an Old Testament scripture, just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. For whose sake? For God's sake, for Jesus' sake. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. The world didn't consider us at all. But, then he says, but in all these things, all these things he just listed, tribulation, persecution, famine, nakedness, distress, peril, sword, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. That's Jesus, that's God, through his spirit. For I am convinced that neither death this, this, this is the tour de force list right here. That neither death nor life, you wouldn't think that'd be in there. Death nor life, any kind of life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. If you ever get feeling down or persecuted, you feel like, man, this world's just just beating me down. I'm not sure. Go read Romans 8. You can't get to the end of that thing with feeling like you're standing on the mountaintop. Nothing separates us from the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The love of God in Jesus Christ. God wins, and he wins it big. He's already won it big. And until the day that he comes and restores the current creation... We get to live out his victory, the hope of his victory, the surety of his victory that we get through the Holy Spirit. We get to live that out. We trust in his life that through Jesus' salvation and his indwelling Holy Spirit, we get to stand aside and let God live to modify and change and affect his world, his creation, because it's not ours. Is that wonderful? You look pretty bland, I'm just saying. If I were doing stand-up, I'd just leave the stage now. This is over. 
How amazing is that? So don't take persecution and, and, and let it get to you. They're not persecuting you. They're pushing back against God, and he can handle it. He is already one. They just don't know it yet. Our job is to be that example, be that expression of God such that he draws them. Even in the midst of their insults, even in the midst of their persecution, he draws them to himself. And you'll be the, the, the person, the tool that he uses to do it. What a blessing. Now, some of you in here are going to say, I, I don't really know anything about that. <laughs> There's this whole Jesus thing and this... How does, how does something live in us? Is that is this creepy spirit stuff or whatever? And, or, or, or maybe you're sitting thinking, you know, I've heard this man. It's kind of making sense. I don't know what to do with that. We're going to sing a song, and I'm just telling you, if you've got questions, if, you have, if you're in need of answers, if you want someone to pray with you or just talk with you, just come on down here. I want to be standing right down here. I'd love to chat with you. If you want to wait till after the service, you can do that. But most of us in here are going to be regulars. So like we're, we kind of... I haven't told you anything really big new about Jesus saves us and, and God's the creator and all that. That sort of isn't too hard for you to, to grasp. But for you, let me ask you, are you living in conflict with the world? I mean, does it feel like an uphill swim? Like you're swimming really against the hard current? You're in the white waters going the wrong way? Because it should feel like that. Or are you trying to do it in your own strength, and which just means you just get sucked down the river with all the crawdads and minnows or whatever that can't do it, right? Because if you're doing that, I, I encourage you also, come down here and pray. Cry out to God. God, encourage me and strengthen me, Lord, to step aside and let you live through me and realize that the persecution I can't take personally. It's not me they're persecuting God. It's you. And you can handle it. And I can rest in that. Pray that prayer. And then you'll start seeing, maybe you'll start seeing some pushback, but you can take joy, be glad and rejoice in it as we sing.